<laughs> All right. Yeah, I know. I know. Good talk. I just <laughs> it cannot be helped. I guess you don't want to talk anymore. Okay, got it. No, I don't want to talk anymore. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to send it, my man. You know how you know how I do, Joe. I'm well aware. It's practical shooting after dark. We're here to uh, you know talk about shooting on deck tonight. Mr. Kim. Hi. And Mr. Park. Korean brothers. Hello. The Korean brothers. <laughs> they are here. Before we get going tonight, uh, I just want to answer one question because it's been going on on Instagram for a while. Um, as you know, if you oh, uh, if you wait. follow me on social media, yeah, <laughs> I am I am sick of the sports bullshit, and I it has been fun for me to uh, finally really have a go with them, and it is fun for me that a lot of people are kind of getting the picture, kind of getting the message that I'm sending understanding the larger issues we have here uh but one question i've been getting a lot like, there's like a bunch of emails on this is uh what do they mean by shifting control of the business of uspsa versus control of the support of uspsa because if you've been paying attention to uh some of the interviews being done by the board members that's that's one theme they're talking about is shifting control of the business of uspsa away from the president because the president's supposed to control the sport. Uh, what that really means, uh, well, I'll, I'll give you like the real world example here. When I came out on a video with Hopkins and I, I kind of talked very negatively about Jake Martins, I was not very, not very nice about his performance. Uh, that got a big reaction from Jake. He, started, he actually started looking for a new job and he went to the board uh, and, uh, ask kind of ask for protection this is actually in the bruce one memo that uh, he had employees asking for this and what they don't want is a new president like a hostile potentially president that's might have a problem with how certain people do their job they don't want the, they don't want that person in a position to fire anybody that's what they mean by uh like the business of uspsa and why they'd want to separate that so anyway uh that's my spiel about that to answer that question. Guys, I'm guessing you don't have any comment on that. No, I'm okay. No. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for elaborating and sharing. Yeah. No, you're welcome, Joel. I'm here to entertain you. Uh -huh. So let's uh, let's change gears. Uh, let's do some boring uh, carbine stuff, Joel. You know, just have at it, man. Oh, all right. Well, uh, yes, I have a show and tell. It's just a, a very plain Jane carbine. Uh, I've got quite a few questions about, well, Ben came down and trained with me for a weekend. We did a bunch of shooting. So kind of about what what kind of rifles we're using and how they're all slicked up in gamer rifles, uh, which they really aren't at all. So hey, probably- the uh, actually, we can get our we can get our buddy Hopkins. Can you add, can we add him in? Uh, sure. Yeah. If he's available. Turns out he is. Uh, what a pleasant surprise. Mm-mm-mm. Can't stop the hop. No, you can't. Man, it's quite literally unstoppable. Matt Hopkins, Hopkins recently did a What a, a surprise. Podcasts. I didn't think we'd get to see you tonight, my man. Yeah, I just got here. How are you guys doing? Oh, I just uh, took a big shit on the board of directors. He's already know? hit record, by the way, Matt. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see that. <laughs> I am uh, thrashing uh, people, you know. But it's all done now. Now we're going to talk about some boring shit for a while. 
But perfect. then we can get back to something spicy. Don't worry. Perfect time for me to jump on then, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely is. perfect. Yeah, perfect timing. Suspiciously good, actually. <laughs> One might say. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Joel, uh, continue talking about uh, carbon soda. Tough act to follow, Ben. <laughs> uh anyway yeah i've got quite a few questions about the carbines ben and i use and if they're special like gamer rifles which they actually are not they're basically just just service duty rifles whatever um the only thing that's more interesting about my rifle is i actually have stuff set up to make it more friendly to shoot left-handed but i don't have like one of the slicked uh like lefty guns with like the the reverse ejection or the special ambi lower i just bought a couple add-ons that make it super easy so i don't know sorry for the audio listeners uh for the magazine yeah. release it's a button that's made by troy uh but basically it's it's just threads on to the reverse side of your regular magazine release and so i basically have a regular grip with my gun and i can just hit the mag release with my trigger finger which is super easy and then i have uh Geisley makes a paddle called like maritime bolt catch but basically then it's just easier for me to hit uh you know like the bolt release to lock it open whatever but other than that uh and i suppose an ambi safety is easy for you know lefty but other than that it's basically just a, a generic carbine which is the same thing ben's using uh so just briefly i guess just a regular mag pull stock uh a point to attach the sling on the back of the receivers may be interesting a point to attach a sling up front somewhere on the forum. Other than that, it has a Geisley trigger in it, but just a red dot, a 16 inch gun. Yeah, I've got a flashlight, whatever, but it's just got an A2 flash hider on it. So it's not even a, a compensator. It's not because... loud like my guns. No, uh, <laughs> so muzzle devices are maybe the other interesting thing. A lot of people do like the muzzle brakes that are loud and obnoxious, but they do well, have a war comp because oil. like, what am I supposed to have a fucking peace comp, you know? Like that sounds <laughs> lame. Uh-huh. Yes, uh, but the nice thing about the A2, I mean, 5.56 doesn't kick that much anyway, and I like just leaving the A2 on it because, I mean, like, being straight with you, I don't like all the concussion. Like, I shot Ben's rifle a little bit, like, yeah, it's it's pretty pleasant, but I don't really like it, where you could, like, feel it in your chest, kind of, when, the, when that 12.5 is going off. <laughs> it's, is it, like, it's heinous. It's I feel like it has to be doing permanent damage a little bit. It makes me a little dumber every time I shoot it. Yeah, I mean, it's not like your fillings are going to come out, but it's kind of, it's not really, I don't like shooting it. So this rifle is very pleasant. It's just a generic 16-inch gun. Like I said, some ambi controls. Uh, I strongly prefer Geisley triggers. Other than that, just uh, just an EOTech on it. So it's just a 16-inch gun. So anyway, the guns we're using aren't super slicked up. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. And I, I like the A2 just because, like what Ben was saying, it's not super loud. It doesn't recoil a ton anyway. It's a, it's a full gas port. Adjustable or not adjustable? No adjustable gas. I'm not smart enough to have that. So no, I don't have adjustable gas systems. <laughs> this is a, well, I, this is a Daniel Defense rifle, which is nicer than you need to have. But I bought this rifle a few years ago. And at the time, the internet told me I needed to buy that. So that's what I bought. But now my other guns are arrows. That's what Ben's are, just arrow precision. And those work plenty fine. So. It's a sexy setup. I like this gun because it just works. I don't have like the low mass bolt and the tunable gas system and a special fancy you know whatever mm -hmm. but i just what put the, ammo in. what's the choice of optic uh this one's an eotech which i strongly like ben has hollow suns on his mm -hmm. uh but basically it has a 65 mil ring with the with the one minute dot in the center 
Okay. Which is uh, what well, it's the setup Pranka uses also. We strongly prefer that. So, you know, for up close shooting, you just use a big circle. Mm -hmm. Just like throw the circle on the target, smash it. It also gives you the benefit of like a seven yard zero for head boxes, whatever, like precision shooting. So for up close, the offset, you just use the bottom of the circle. And then you have that precise one minute dot in the center for shooting small targets, 50 yard shooting, whatever. Yeah, I really like that setup on rifle, but on my PCC, I do have the EOTech as well, but in a single dot model. Sure. So it doesn't have the 65 ring. Sure. But I find PCC, because uh, 9mm, like, I don't need the 65 ring. I sure. Yeah. I think that some of the 9mm PCCs kick more than this, do I think? If it's like the blowback type or something. Yes. I'm not I'm not super up with those how they all work, but I know some of those do recoil more. This doesn't recoil that much. That's not that loud. Mm -hmm. so it's quite enjoyable to shoot. The PCC I am shooting is basically a copy of Max Leo Grandis's uh, previous one. So he shot that last year. Yeah. Uh, 2020 and previous years too. That one actually shoots softer than typical A2 flash lighter 556 because it, because it has so many um, gimmick, so to say. Mm -hmm. So mine is the bolt is not going all the way back. It's just going back enough to eject the press. So it's almost like it all when you rack the slide or rack the bolt, it goes halfway only. Oh, so that kind of mitigates it, it's fast recovery. And also it has like a vertical compensator. So visually it's as flat as five, five, six. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then I have. I suppose backup irons is, well, I liked one of Matt's videos. Matt's like, yeah, I have backup irons on this, so no one asked me about it, uh, <laughs> which I, I think probably makes sense. Uh, but I also have it, which is nice, because I'll actually shoot this rifle with the dot turned off, and then I have a separate rifle with an LPVO. So in two rifles, then I can shoot iron sights, I can shoot a red dot, or I can use an LPVO. That kind of gives me the option to train with all the different, you know, styles that people use. Nice. Anyway, no, it's it's just a basic rifle with just some add-ons to make it easier to operate for me being a lefty. And Ben's rifles are just as boring, only louder. Yeah. Pretty boring. All right, Joel, amazing. Hopkins. All right. Would so, you like to talk some fucking drama, talk some shit? We get that. I mean, this could maybe be some drama. I'm sure some yeah, people will take buddy, this wrong. Let's Here we go, go, baby. So. We're doing this in December, and I set out a guideline for me to do. I need to design one stage every day for the entire month of December for the two matches I'm I'm doing stages for for next year. So, so I'm I'm working through this. I got some ideas, and I'm putting everything down. I think I have 22 stages, so I'm actually a little ahead of the game right now, which is good. Yeah. Uh, a couple of them are just slight variations of other stages so like you put steel instead of paper and stuff and move that around stuff like that take out a paper and it's two less rounds or something but i think i have a really solid base to start with my question is and i'll, I'll tell my reason after i hear your guys's stuff is what is the opinion of the people on here if we use all the ipsic targets for the match so not using any of the headed targets and Logist I have reasons. Well, I'll start. Go yeah. ahead. I'm no, okay. Ben, you Ben go first. So I, I liked. I kind of wanted to use them on a couple of stages, 
yeah. at the section match I had this Wisconsin year. Wisconsin section. Yeah. Um, because the bays are kind of narrow. So I just wanted to use a smaller target on a couple of bays for sure. Yeah. And the guy ordering the targets was like, hey, do you just sort of want to order all the same target? And I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> just order all the same. <laughs> so we just ended up using all the IPSC targets. And it, some people thought it was kind of weird or whatever, but it didn't. Honestly, doesn't really matter that much. It's just like it's still six inches wide. The A zone is still six inches wide. And Eight, you I just think. don't have shoulders or head to catch bullets. Yeah. Lucky misses. That, yeah, you just don't have that. That's all. That's maybe the biggest change. Like, but the A zone's the same width, so it's not a really a big change. And some people bitch about it, but it really it doesn't matter. I don't think. Yeah, is what I think. Anyway, Cam, what do you think? So. My local match, uh, which is like ten minutes less than ten minutes from Canadian border, uh, we often have IPSC shooter come over the border and shoot. Uh, maybe that's not the only reason, but our my club uh, uses IPSC target a lot, turtle target a lot, probably more than the humanoid target sometimes. Uh, I personally find it because especially in Washington where it rains all the time. It gets really handy because in rain oh, the head can yeah. bow down. Yeah. yeah, and that makes it really easy to maintain the target integrity. That's one thing. And like Ben said, to me it's actually a little more interesting. I think it challenges the shooting fundamentals a little bit more. So like the triangle shape, like if it if you shot the same group, like one 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 shot in the middle, one shot in the upper right corner. In IPSC target, it would be a Charlie. So for me, I think it fundamentally challenges a little bit more, even though like the width in the same uh, is ish, same ish in the middle section. So in that reason, I think it's a pretty good idea. It's, it helps to manage target manage, and also it challenges a little more. Uh, but only downside I would say is the configuration for partial target can be a little bit limited. So yeah, of course you cannot shoot the head box now because there's no head. And also for major scoring people, it may be a little bit different experience. For for minor shooter like me, I mean I want to get as much as much as alpha as possible. But if you are having a head and maybe like you know one of those partial target where no shoot is kind of covering alpha and completely covering one left side or the right side, then you have like a huge chunk of shoulder and the neck and the head left over. In the major scoring, you could just shoot in the brown and not care about the alpha. But in IPSC, major score shooters almost have to shoot the partial targets, all the partial targets, as if minor shooters. And that's actually one of the things Gaston, uh, who's sh uh, shooting in Argentina, he actually discussed about major versus minor in IPSC. Uh, in major scoring in IPSC, you still shoot the partial target just like a minor shooter. So I think that that's a little more interesting for major shooters to kind of change their strategy a little bit on a partial. No, that's actually a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I should have thought of that. Damn, you should have. Why didn't you? <laughs> Joel, do you have anything? Don't. Uh, well, these guys did it so well. Yeah, logistics and like what Kim's like what these guys both saying the, the accuracy requirements. The head just catches too many misses. The other, the only other intelligent maybe thing that I'd have to add is it's a pain 
we use both at my at our local matches. But if you have a target that's like headbox only, it's annoying because you got the target change the target out really frequently. Otherwise, you won't be able to see where the perfs are just because there's such a small scoring area. Like the targets can be replaced more more regularly to be able to assure getting people the accurate scores, and that's kind of a pain. All right, so yeah, you guys covered everything. I. I had come up with it's going to be easier to stock one set of targets. Mm-hmm. It's going to be better for rains. You can have the stick sticking over the target so the bag's covered up. The target is smaller overall, so it's just in the same distance, you're going to have a harder shot. So I think it'll, those big three things. I think the only downside is people are going to say that I'm trying to take this more toward Ipsic. So that's one of the, detractors that are going to say Ipsic. <laughs> haters going to hate man yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i'm not totally decided i'd like to hear you know listeners feedback and everything and and see what everybody says and i'm not trying to take it towards Ipsic. <laughs> so but so it's you, can, an Ipsic you can stop target. that argument right now how can you say that <laughs> put in uspsa targets and more shooting is more fun so we need at least 32 or 34 maybe even 38 round stages yeah if not yeah. you're a communist basically <laughs> <laughs> hate America. Like yeah. I <laughs> tell me. It's gonna be hard on a two position stage to have that many rounds, but <laughs> you could make it work. No, it's not. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. It's not good to recon match, buddy. <laughs> In terms of using all Ipsic target, I think I only know one match that does that, Florida Open. I'm not sure if there's more, but Florida I've actually Open heard there's anybody complains about it, do they? That Wait, match what? is known for being difficult. Like that's just like that's part of the flavor of the. Yeah, that match is crazy usually. Yeah, yeah, that's but like, that's a that's a apart get... from the target. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It yep. wouldn't matter what target they had out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you're getting <laughs> fucked either way, buddy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So that's just one thing I wanted to brought up. I'd like to hear what people say, and uh, I'll be interested to see the feedback and see what they if say. You... Matt, if you want feedback from people, I'm guessing you don't want them blowing up your DMs. You want them to send it to you at your Area 3 email? Or if you, uh, how would you want people to Just contact? post on the video. I'll watch the comments and everything. So. Right then. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll see I'll see feedback. So the, co- the comments have been pretty lively lately. Actually, Matt, before you jumped on, uh, <laughs> I had a bit of a monologue that of course there did. might be some comments on that too. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll be very interested to hear that when this comes out. Yeah, I'm sure you will be. <laughs> uh-huh. Just be shitting on your uh, other board members there, buddy. Oh, yeah, Who else has a comment or a topic they would like to talk about? I have one. Oh. Am I allowed to topic? Does Kim have a topic? Yes. yes I'd I like do. to hear what? What? Yeah. Well, no, it's productive. It's a shooting topic. Jesus Christ, Joel. Please. Oh, no, I just no. want to hear what my good friend Kim had to say. <laughs> okay, well you can't wait. No. Go ahead, yeah. Ben. I'm sorry. No, whatever. It's cool. Go <laughs> ahead, Jim. Okay, okay. So yes, I brought a shooting topic. Oh, perfect. So I wanted to share one of my favorite starting position in training. So it's actually low ready, uh, or it could be high ready. They're similar in a way. Uh, basically, I'm not drawing at all. From I mean, I I can get the gun out of the holster but i'm pressing the buzzer after like low ready position so there's a couple benefits of that 
Uh, first of all, yeah, if you are shooting indoors, uh, you can't draw. Uh, low ready, high ready position is probably the default to go. And sometimes uh, we are changing things. So we are redeveloping grip or we are redeveloping draw. Then in that case, if you are always doing from like high speed draw starting position, uh, uh, hands relaxed, whatever, whenever you're drawing, the possibility of getting a bad grip is higher. So first of all, if you are readjusting and fixing your grip, it can kind of uh, cut the flow of the drill. And another thing is if you decide to just shoot it with a bad grip, then you end up with unpurposefully shooting bad runs. Mm -hmm. So in that case, you can waste your time and waste your ammo and all that stuff. So if, especially when you are redeveloping grip related stuff, so like draw, uh, it is typically better to just start low ready with the grip you want to shoot with. Uh, so it could be like doubles too, if uh, or it could be target transition. Of course, when you start doing a target transition drill and you realize, oh, my grip's really messed up, uh, you, if you stop there, now that's they can definitely develop bad habit in a match because you don't get to fix things or you don't get to uh, do a reshoot, of course. And another thing is, uh, you can kind of reverse engineer the draw after working with your perfect grip. So what I mean by that is if you're working on with a recoil management, you should build drill low ready, and then you just simply go home and then kind of do the low ready build drill at home and then kind of check the grip tension, grip position, you know, arm alignment, things like that, shoulder tension and all that stuff. And then now do the draw to focus on the result. So when you draw, when the gun's on your eye, you want to have exact same tension with a good recoil management system. So that's a good way to kind of develop your draw, focus on the grip or the recoil management you learn from the live fire range. Uh, and another thing is for Mr. sure. Kim, mm -hmm. Mr. Kim, yeah. I have to interject just a moment. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually, if you do a class with me, a fundamentals class, mm -hmm. we're gonna do a, a, like a couple drills, like practical accuracy where you draw and you're like shooting, reacting to every sight picture. Bam, 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 bam. Trying to shoot, you know, a coin size spot on the target. And we're going to do doubles, you know, where you're shooting pairs and you're focusing on your grip and you're trying to develop that. Mm -hmm. And shoot like 400 rounds in the morning of yeah. the, if you do a fundamentals with, class with me at the morning of the first day, that's what we do. A mm -hmm. lot of rounds. And the whole takeaway from that, shooting all those rounds, doing all that stuff, is like learning the what your grip should feel like. Mm -hmm. So when you're at home doing dry fire, you draw into that grip and you're assessing that, you're paying attention to that. Yes. That's yeah. a big benefit of low ready start. Yeah. And another benefit is uh, some some people, I mean, a lot of us actually have like dedicated dry fire session, like, oh, I'm gonna do one hour dry fire here or there. Then the case is, yeah, you're gonna wear your regular shooting pants and put a belt on. But I some I very often do a segmented practice that's not particularly like planned to do. But whenever I have a downtime, like uh, I'm boiling water for ramen, <laughs> you know, in that waiting time, I just pick up my gun and then do like a transition drill or shooting on the move drill without any gun. And in that kind of case, yes, low ready is definitely default starting position. So in the in this kind of case, uh, 
low ready, I think it's the most, the easiest starting position. That's one thing. And it just isolates things very well. Like it's getting the draw part out of the way and you're just isolating the perfect grip part in the beginning. So you can really focus on shooting with a good grip and the rest of this rest of things you need to figure out is how to draw and then get that grip right and get the recoil management system right. So in this kind of case, you're actually doing more, uh, I should say, better run in a low ready position simply because your index is going to be better and your grip recoil management stuff, everything's going to be a lot better. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, just having your gun sitting around somewhere actually... like dry fire for five minutes, I think is pretty good too. I like that, Kim. Thanks. That is possibly something I do also. I mm. haven't actually really thought about something like that, but it does make sense. Well, let's say you're waiting for dinner to cook or you have a yep. load screen during Call of Duty. <laughs> like, <laughs> if we're like waiting for a playing with the bros, if we're waiting for a multiplayer, somebody be like, yeah, that's a Glock you're messing with. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of distinct, I guess. But I'll just be doing like trigger control at speed or something while I'm waiting for the, like, the game to start. I do that possibly very often. I like it a lot. So, And currently what I'm doing right now is I'm redeveloping the draw process. And of course, when I do, I need to redevelop index points, my draw, the way it's changing. So what I do is when I go to the live fire range, uh, I start with low ready recoil management stuff. And then, okay, this is the perfect grip perfect recoil management. Now I'm going to try drawing and uh, copy paste the same recoil management. And then I come home and then I just aim at the burr or aim at, aim at the target, just feeling those recoil management system. And then I start drawing with the focus of having that good recoil system uh, when I draw, basically. I like yep. it. Awesome. As By always, the way, the technical term... Advice. The technical term for this type of training is called inductive method. Oh. Inductive method is basically working something super specific. So like you're only working on grip, for example, and then now you add low ready. So establishing the grip and then now you add drawing from the holster. You're adding one at a time. It's called inductive method of training. Kim, if I wanted to hear more about this, would there be a video yes. somewhere that was really well done that I could watch? Yes, there's already a video on PSTG. It's called oh, How to Practice. It's a Christmas miracle. Yes, yes. it was quite good. Uh, which, which, how to practice? That's a study session number three, How three. to Practice. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. And people. don't give it all away. How much stuff is on training group right now, guys? I wish we had a counter for. We've been at it for years now. Uh huh. There's a there's lot. Probably 3,000 hours of video. Way more. 3,000? I, I don't know. More. That might be right, but I don't if, know. if we count the review videos, too, not even counting reviews. Then, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. count them though. Without counting them, yeah, it would be close to that, or something like that. Jesus, crazy! It's a lot of class video classes with other people that I recorded. Vimeo had a had a counter for like yeah. how much total? Yeah, there are a lot. Yeah, a lot of things. All right, Joel, who's next? Uh, who do we have? Matt, did you? Oh, Matt, you talked. <laughs> Kim, I guess we heard I had a top. Oh, Ben, did you have a topic you'd like to share with us? I did. Oh. I did. <laughs> All, right, All right. So recently I went up to California, did some classes there. 
And it turned out one thing that I had a lot of focus put on in the course of fundamentals class, skills and drills classes, uh, private class, all these sorts of classes. One thing that there was constant correction on was visually picking a spot the size of a coin on the target, you know, and driving your vision onto that spot, whether the target's close or far away. And especially when there's changes, you know, when it's like you have to change focal depth from the target five yards away to focus on a spot, a small spot on a target that's maybe it's in a shadow, you know, and it's 20 yards yeah. away. You got to focus on that spot. Um, and just it, it was very valuable, like working on that a lot with people and talking about it a lot. And people really got aware in these classes about what their eyes were doing and what they could be doing to, you know, make their eyes do productive shit for them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, and it it was uh, it was because the reason this became a focal point, I think, was because the classes were predominantly guys shooting dots. So in the fundamentals class, for example, I had 11 guys with dots and one guy with iron sights. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and pretty good trigger control shit like that. Like they understood that pretty well. So like slow fire trigger control was good and everybody had a dot. So that meant uh, it became like focusing on a particular spot on the targets to drive the bullets where you want to, which is a big problem with with guys uh, shooting dots, especially I find at like five yards, seven yards, 10 yards, like picking out a spot on the targets. Let me me interrogate you here. What if someone thinks they are doing that what would be a good way to tell they are not indeed doing that? Yeah, so if you mentally have something going on in your own head where you treat a close target as fast or easy versus just looking to a spot and and putting the dot exactly on that spot and picking up the alphas, you know, like if you think it's a closer target means go fast or start ripping, that's suspicious. And if you catch yourself looking at brown or looking at the shape of the target rather than a particular spot on the target, that's something. If you catch yourself excusing a bunch of points down, like let's say you're shooting carry optics and the targets are five, seven yards away in a match, you know, and you're shooting a lot of Alpha Charlies, even when there's not tight partials, like those are indicators that you're not being precise enough visually. Ben, what if they're getting alphas? They just happen to be right next to each other in the in the top right corner of the A box or something like that. <laughs> that means you're hitting where you're looking. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm not going to complain if you're shooting two alphas, you know. <laughs> well, I am. I'm going to say they could have been better two alphas in the middle. Why don't you look at the middle of the target? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's better. But if, yes. you, if you get them in the A box, I, I, I don't feel I can complain. Man, you're a nicer guy than me in classes. Absolutely, yeah. Oh. It's hard for me to say, like, shoot better alphas without sounding like a fucking idiot. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fine, have it your way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with the dot, one one common issue I see often, and this is an issue I actually had when I first switched to the red dot, was if it's a close target, I would look look at the target, the spot I want to shoot, and first shot goes off, and then I'm trying to now track the dot movement, and then my vision focuses on the dot, not on the target for the second shot. 
and mm -hmm. that happened a lot uh, mm -hmm. before when I shot it. And then I see a lot of people doing that. So the concept is instead of trying to like look at the dot, focus on the dot and then try to track it. No, just keep looking at the specific spot and think in terms of visually guiding the dot back down. Basically, you're not losing that zoom in like to a specific spot for both shots. The thing is, if <laughs> you're shooting a red dot anyways, the focal depth can be on the target, the specific spot for both shots, and you can still see the dot bouncing around without losing the target focus. So this is something that a lot of people think they don't do, but they actually do. So it's something to think about. And like the front front side, uh, not front side, the front optic cover thing, like tape it around or like 3D printer thing Joel mm -hmm. you showed earlier. Yeah. That kind of things can actually help you identify if you like, if if you cover the optic, you're not going to be able to see the target anymore when you are trying to focus on the dot visually. If the target kind of disappears when you use the tape, <laughs> then you're you're doing that. You're trying to yeah. focal depth change to the dot and then try to track that. We have a red. problem. Yes, that's something that's got to be fixed. Do you guys find it hilarious how many people don't understand this? I yeah. uh I think some people don't really understand what's going on. And I've had a few conversations with people <laughs> explaining it and they've, you know, some get it afterwards and some don't, but. And then on Enos, there's uh there's a few, I'll just say it. There's some dipshits on there that don't, don't even, get it either. I don't even know why you'd log into Enos at this point. I'm very sorry to say. Oh, I, very, I don't, very elitist I don't log in. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know how to log in, but it was, it's funny. It's like, the line on there is like you should never shut down any visual information and that's what you're doing by taping over the glass makes sense i want all the information i can get yeah it's like that's not what this is about guys but that's okay nah we have a shooter's uh, listener question uh we do in fact guys so what <laughs> do you think about the future of 40 smith and wesson I was considering shooting limited this year, but it seems like there are less 40 competition pistols available for sale. Pro shops selling less Tanfo 40 models than last year. CZ has been discontinued 40 models. Will 40 Smith and Wesson become obsolete? And if so, what happens to limited division? Uh, I feel like Joel Park is, ex is exactly the man to know about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This feels like it's a ways off, but what happens, guys? Well, I mean, a lot of police departments switch to 9mm in law enforcement, which is the source for brass for a lot of people. Yeah. So that is part of the component because I just don't think, I mean, I just don't think there's as much 40 ammo out there because if, I mean, let's, let's, let's be real. Yeah, of course, like competition shooters, whatever, but what military and law enforcement do, that trends to the like the civilian sector, the non-heavy USPSA people, they're going to buy the guns that they're seeing everyone else use. And I think the the 9mm guns are just catching on in popularity, and that's, you see more ammo out there for it. I mean, you just don't well, see as much 40. 40's going away for sure. Yeah. It 100% yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there's obviously less guns coming out in 40. There will always be 2011s built by small shops that build mm -hmm. race guns they'll always build 40s as long as limited is a 
40 caliber division. Yeah. I I don't see that changing. That's one of the principles of limited division is major power factor. Mm-hmm. Almost more so than any other division. Because as soon as nine major came on board and people like adopted it, powders got better for it, people learned how to use it and reload it and everything like that. It is less of a difference than going from nine minor to limited 40 than nine major to nine minor. It won't go anywhere for a very long time. Any disagreement with that? Yeah, Kim. Kim wants to say something. <laughs> uh, uh, I, don't think I just had a question. So, uh, if forty is going away, nine major in limited could be an option. But the problem will be there's a ton of plastic gun shooters in limited in forty. Mm-hmm. But I would say nine major in a plastic gun is a disaster sauce. Uh, I don't know that nine major. I don't know, and a lot of guns I think would be. Pretty yeah. rough on the lifespan. Mm-hmm. I don't think you'll see that for a while. Yeah. I don't think you'll see that within the next 10 years, honestly. And probably longer than that. Well, I don't know. Well, let's be real. People shoot open division with 38 Super or 38 Super Comp, and no one else, like, no one else is yeah, using there's that. There's no other reason for that caliber to exist, is there? No, yeah, like no, you're right. Yeah, you're maybe right. there's some, some, but like military and law enforcement, they're not using that. Well, no, nope. but I, you know, maybe like the AMU guys or something. But otherwise, like that's that exists just for competition shooters, and the forty could end up being the same way. Yeah, and the projectile will be available because ten millimeter is still a thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you'll always be able to find some brass. It mm-hmm. might not be as plentiful as, as it was before, and there will always be bullets for it because there will always be 40 caliber and limited for it, for any foreseeable future that I can see in USPSA or sports shooting. At least until they get rid of power factor, right, Matt? There is people pushing to change power factor. It'd be game over. I've not heard it in limited, but I've heard they want to lower... Power factor and open because it's dangerous. And the guns yeah. are, it's rough on guns. People getting killed left and right for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And IPSC is kind of lower, right? IPSC open yeah, is 160. Yeah. So it's 160 for major in open and 170 for major and standard. I feel like when I started, open was like 10 power factor higher or something. Did you speak? Um, it was always at 165 when I started. Okay. I don't know when they switched or if they did. It was like a long time ago. Uh, maybe not. Yeah, I think that's when people still shoot 45 in open, right? Yeah, because they don't make a 46, <laughs> Kim. Pussies. <laughs> uh huh. Jesus. All right, guys. This was a banger of a podcast. Oh, it was real right? doozy. Just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> raising the bar every time listeners if you have a question you want the answer oh, to you know go to my website it's bensager.com send me your question i'd oh, love to hear from you yeah we'd love to <laughs> no, I'm